Okay. I want to welcome you to Woman's Talk with Yaya Diamond. I'm Yaya Diamond, and yes, yes, I have extensive makeup on today, but we had a photo shoot, so I have an excuse, and I have a music video this evening, so I figured double take, you know, like, right here. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. You know, there's a lot of things that women go through. Not just, not, okay, I can't say that men don't go through them too. I'm not going to say right. that, but I'm going to, we're talking about women. We're talking about us, you know, the female aspect. And um, there's something that my guest and I have in common, and I don't think she knows this. You know, abuse is something and molestation and just different things uh, happen at a very young age. For me, it wasn't too, too young, but it was, it was around 10 and 11 years old. And it was dramatic. And yes, it did leave a mark on me, but it left a mark where I wanted to kill people. That was the mark it left on me. So I took martial arts and I became a uh, FBBA world champion. And I did all kinds of things. And I said to myself, if a man ever touched me in a way that I did not like, he would be maimed for life. Just put it that way. That's, that was the word I used because <laughs> I was young. But today I use the word castrated. <laughs> so, <laughs> but moving right along, you know, I mean, come on. How many of us women have gone through this? You know, and there have been some men that have gone through this too, you know, and it's, it's traumatizing. And if it happens in a very young age, at least, uh, you know, like seven and under, you don't learn certain skills to survive in the world. And that is what my client actually is talking about today. I'm going to call her my client because I'm feeling like <laughs> we have so much in common that I'm, I'm, I'm going to help her and she's going to help me. So I'm her client and she's mine today. Welcome to the show. Please tell everybody who you are and you now have a 501c3, right? I do. My name's Deanna oh. Carpenter and I'm so happy. I finally got my 501c3. So I am a complete nonprofit agency now, um, which is, I'm so ecstatic about it. Um, and no, I did not know that about you. I'm so, oh my gosh. I, this has, so my, my nonprofit's emerging from the dark because that's how I feel. I feel like I've lived in the dark most of my life because of my abusive past. And I feel like I've just started getting out into the light. And not only am I getting out into the light, but with my nonprofit, I'm hoping to bring others out into the light. And really, um, I, I know abuse is talked about, right. but I feel like we, as survivors, we don't have the skills needed to put in perspective how abuse continually affects our lives. Right. Like everybody focuses on the actual event of abuse. Mm -hmm. And 
no one really talks about the after effects. Right. Now I'm, I'm in my fifties now and Mm -hmm. still being affected by something that happened when I was three. And for me, learning the skills to put into words, how it affects me now Mm -hmm. uh, was extremely important uh, because you, you know, you with the, with the martial arts and wanting to, you know, lash out in anger. Oh yeah. I was the opposite. I, I unfortunately wound up in more abusive situations because I was such a helper and I wanted to fix people all the time Mm. because that if I was focusing on someone else, I didn't have to fix me. Right. I didn't have to look at that darkness in me. I could fix other people. Um, and it actually took, you know, we talk about all the bad things that happened with the pandemic and it actually took the pandemic to get me to where I am today. Um, because I was working two jobs. I was going to school. I was raising my mm-hmm. kids. I was doing everything to stay busy and not focus on me. Right. And when the pandemic happened, I lost my jobs and it's, horrible out there trying to find new ones mm-hmm. um and so i had all this alone time with just myself yeah. my thoughts my brain my emotions mm-hmm. and for the first time in my life i started connecting with them and realizing that i missed out on a lot and some of those things that i missed out on were learning skills that i need to not only survive but really right. thrive in life Mm-hmm. And two of those are communication mm-hmm. and self-awareness uh, because it took, like I said, it took the pandemic for me to become self-aware. I just realized that I've been helping all these people so that I didn't have to focus on me. Right. I've been staying busy and, and staying in college for, you know, 20 years <laughs> to not focus on me. And, yes. um, and so I, took that and I said, okay, all of this is, it's meaningful and not just to me. This happened to me and I'm supposed to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And I started the process of setting up a 501c3 with, um, with the focus on doing research for survivors to Mm -hmm. see how best they can learn the skills that we don't have those communications and self-awareness skills. Right. So yeah, it's, um, but it's been fantastic and it's definitely a great experience. I've been talking to survivors, male and female from all over the world, Mm -hmm. uh, which is amazing. Um, I'll have conversations with survivors and yeah, we'll talk about abuse and we'll talk about life. Uh, But it's really funny because we'll also talk about, okay, I'm eating an Oreo. And they're like, what is an Oreo? (laughs) Like in the UK, (laughs) they don't know what an Oreo is. So it's been, it's been so amazing. Um, not just on the abuse side, but just in my personal growth in reaching out across the ocean and meeting and talking to all these other people. It's just been fantastic. You know, I find that I have certain skills that you may not have because it happened to me a little bit later on in life. And I knew what was going on and I knew it was wrong. And I alerted my mom. Oh, that's fantastic. Immediately. 
So it was, it wasn't something that continued. And the, the reason that, you know, I, I kind of understood it because my mom told me, you know, people just don't do this for a reason. There's a sickness that they have and they're sick in their brain is what my mom told me. So if ever something should happen like that, you let me know because I'm not going to be mad at you. Uh, I'm going to be That's mad at wonderful. them. And That's you're not going to get in trouble, but they are going to get in a lot of trouble. So when it did happen, I did alert my mom and uh, it was, it was, uh, it was eye opening. And oh, like absolutely. I said, it was something that happened to me a lot later in life. So I, I actually, I said to myself, you know, he's sick. He's sick. Something's wrong with him. He needs help. Mm -hmm. and so I didn't like, I didn't like put it on myself to think it was my problem. You know, it wasn't my problem. It wasn't my fault. It was his fault. Right. Well, and, and I so, think that the, that you having a supportive mom. Oh yeah. My mom, in the world. my mom is amazing. Is amazing. My mother's amazing. So, you know, the skills I had, um, you didn't have, unfortunately. And this happens to so many children. It's so sad. Like it's psychologically, you know, children are mimicking until the age of around seven or eight years old. So they don't have a set go-to like we do as an adult, you know, but at 10, I had a set go-to. I knew that certain things were right and certain things were wrong. This is the way it happens. This is what I should do. This is what I shouldn't do. Behave. Behavior was already set. Mm -hmm. It was already there. For you, you didn't have any of that. So how are you able now to go back and recapture and refocus and teach yourself and uh, to to do these things? How were you able to do that? Sure. So um, just a real quick background on my abuse. So my abuse started at three um, and it was my brother. And then that went on until I was about 10. Hmm. And then uh, I had a little bit of a break of normalcy for about six months before my dad started abusing me. Hmm. Um, and that happened from about the age of 11 to 15. Um, so I never had the normalcy of any kind of a childhood. Mm. Um, I was always, um, in certain areas, I was always different than my peers. Um, so when all of that happened, um, I never said anything, you know, when I was little, I didn't know that it, it was wrong. It, mm -hmm. it, it felt wrong at times, but it, you know, when you're, when you're three and four or five years old and your family member is somebody that's supposed to love you and trust you is doing something, you don't realize that it's wrong. Right. Um, you know, by the time my dad started abusing me, I knew it was wrong, but because of who he was, um, I did not think I could say anything. And this mm -hmm. was in the eighties too, when people still didn't really talk at seventies and eighties, when people didn't really right. talk about abuse. Really. Yeah. It was you a know? taboo. was yeah. yeah. Right. And so, um, I, the first time I went through counseling, I was 24. Mm. Um, that was the first time that I ever spoke to anybody about my abuse, um, save my mother. I did tell my mom when I was 15 about my brother and my dad. Mm -hmm. um, it was not a good experience for me having that discussion um, because I did not get the support at that time that I needed either. Mm. Um, so it was, I was 24 uh, when I first went to counseling. Uh, I went through my first session. I think I was in counseling for a year or two the first time. 
Um, then I went to counseling a little bit more when I was in my thirties and, uh, and then I just recently, um, a few years ago did a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I always tried different types of counseling because they always talked about something different. Like they, okay. they all folk, they all focused on something different. The first time was getting over that initial trauma mm -hmm. and really connecting to my emotions because before the counseling, I could have told you facts and intimate details and not had any emotion about it. Because wow. I did not connect myself to it. Mm -hmm. uh, once I connected to my emotions, boy, was there a lot of anger. <laughs> yeah. so I can totally feel that for you. Yeah. Um, and so, so the so the talking therapy is great. The cognitive therapy is great. And um, this last round of therapy that I went to was actually hypnotherapy because I felt there were things that mm. were triggers in my subconscious that I still couldn't recognize. Um, so that helped a lot. And I have found um, the thing that helps me the most is writing. And so I just, I just free write whatever's on my mind. It makes no sense. Half of them aren't sentences, it might just be words, but I'm getting it out. Uh, and then I just started talking. Um, I went through a communications program and started teaching communications to people, which is ironic, um, since I had no skills at communications, uh, but the communications, uh, that really helped me understand, like, mm -hmm. how people are supposed to communicate, yeah. um, so that helped me with that piece. Mm -hmm. The self-awareness, it's still coming, quite frankly. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely more in tune with myself than I've ever been, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that one of the things that a lot of survivors do that are like me is we keep ourselves busy. I mean, yeah. just yeah. 24 seven, we are busy, 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 busy. always. Then we don't have to face what's going on with ourselves. And right. so we really push that self and awareness away once mm -hmm. we're out of the abusive situations. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the pandemic, um, I can't keep myself as busy unless I'm, yeah. you know, wasting time on the internet just you know facebook and scrolling I got you. Uh -huh. you know? mm -hmm, that doesn't mm -hmm. keep your mind busy so no. I, found, I found my mind going backwards a mm. lot during this time and i started writing a lot again and i started the my 501c3 started with a blog that's how the whole thing started. Mm -hmm. um, I started because I decided I'm done protecting all of my abusers right. and I am now going to speak out whether they like it or not. Mm -hmm. So I started my website and, and started blogging about my stories and posted some of my poems and things like that and mm -hmm. uh, made a Twitter handle and started posting my stuff from my website to Twitter. Mm -hmm. And uh, people started reaching out to me. And that made me really dig deep in talking to them about my experience and their experience. And um, just having that quiet time alone forced right. me really focus well, on me and my self-awareness. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I know, I, you know, as you were talking, I, <laughs> definitely. And yeah, as you were talking, I went back to that day. I mean, I remember everything. I remember what I was wearing. I mean, it's, it's so weird. Like, you remember it. You don't remember much of anything, but you remember that. It's kind you of like remember a, that. Yeah, it's engraved in my mm -hmm. brain. It'll never go away. It's something that I will remember. I will remember the feeling. 
I will remember what I did after. I'll remember the apartment we lived in, um, the way it was formatted, the furniture, everything. Everything is like engraved in my head. And so, you know, but my attacker is Jed. Yeah, I have that too. One of mine is. Um, And so I actually have a video on my website um, Mm -hmm. where I went to his grave. I actually have my, I, I got married right after high school, like a moron. And um, that guy turned out to be super abusive too. It's like, I have this sign over my head. that's like, abuse me, abuse me, abuse me. I, oh. That's how I felt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he wound up being abusive. And luckily I was able to escape that relationship after right. a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he uh, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't get to um, confront him. I didn't get to confront my brother because my my brother passed away. Um, mm-hmm. So I wrote them both letters um, mm-hmm. while, while this whole pandemic was going on. I wrote them both um, a confrontation letter. And mm-hmm. then I went to their graves. I looked them up, found where they were both buried, wow. went to their graves and um, recorded myself reading the letter to them, mm-hmm. um, which I think I probably ad-libbed half of the letter even though it was in my hands and I was reading, but I just added a a little bit to it because uh, I felt that I still needed that. Like I still had, yeah, I still had this um, deep seated hatred for them that I needed to purge out of my body Mm -hmm. um, because it was still affecting me in a negative manner. Um, So that's what I did. I just, I, and people probably, you know, driving by the cemetery thought I was crazy, but <laughs> I didn't care. You know, yeah. I, I'm shouting and yelling. And you know, if I had something, I'd probably had thrown it at the headstones. <laughs> it really did help. Mm-hmm. It, it really did help me feel so much better mm-hmm. um, to get that out. You know, and, I never, I never hated him. Oh, that's good. I never did. I felt sorry for him. Yeah. For a person that would have to do that. They have to be seriously demented and sick in their mind so much so that they need more help than any other normal person. And that's the way I thought about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why I I told right away. Like I didn't That's a much healthier thought process. It really is. And, you know, and, and, and even when he passed away, you know, I was like, well, Hey, he passed away and he was still doing it because there were police reports about him doing it too. And he was in jail for, uh, for one young lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, wow, that poor guy. I mean, you know, I felt sorry for him because to go through life, having to do that, to be that kind of person, to be that way, it's not, it's not good. It's, it's no. definitely not something that's, you know, um, and, and a lot of people may look at me and say, oh, well, how could you feel sorry for them? I do feel sorry for them. Doesn't mean that I approve of what they've done. Obviously right. I don't, but feeling sorry for the mental if they have a mental issue, mm-hmm. they have something that's really like they say, you know, like we used to say, a screw is loose somewhere. Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely so, something missing. Something is missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, wow. And, you know, what do you suggest a person do? Do you suggest counseling and Absolutely. and hypnotherapy and uh, writing things down and maybe even making that letter, that confrontation letter? I mean, maybe the person is alive. How do you deliver? Do you deliver it? Do you have it mailed? 
so one thing that I did uh, when I did the confrontation letter is I put together kind of a, this is how you should do it if this mm -hmm. is what you want to do. But the first thing that I would always tell a survivor is you need to get therapy and you need to go to a therapist that specializes in this uh, because one mistake that people will make sometimes is just picking somebody out of the yellow pages. Um, well, yeah. yellow pages doesn't really exist no. anymore. They no. just Google people now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you really need to do your research on the therapist. My mm -hmm. very first time of going to therapy, somebody recommended a forensic therapist for me. Um, when I started my story, uh, in telling him, you know, about my dad and my, and my brother and telling them who they were, he actually laughed, uh, at me. Um, and I, and I, I say he laughed at me. I now stepping back from it. I don't think he laughed at me. I think it, my story is so absurd because my dad was a judge oh and gosh. a Sunday school teacher Ugh. and my brother was an altar boy in the Catholic church. And so I think that when I said these things to him, he didn't know how to react to it. Right. So it wasn't so a laugh. Like it was an uncomfortable laugh. Basically. But at the time that yeah. was devastating to me and I didn't go back. I never saw him again. And it took mm -hmm. me another couple of years to try it again. Right. So the first thing that I tell people is definitely get therapy but do your research right? And make sure that you're good. And I always tell people to check out um, rain.org, R-A-I-N-N.org, mm -hmm. because they are fantastic okay. and they, um, they will help you find the right person. Wow. Once wow. you feel strong enough mm -hmm. and you want to do a confrontation letter, um, there are several ways to do it. You can write it all out and then you can actually sit across the, the way from like an empty chair um, and read your letter to an empty chair, envisioning that person sitting there. Or you can right. ask a really good friend or loved one to sit in the chair across from you so that you have a person that you're talking to uh, mm -hmm. when you read the letter out loud. Um, another way is if they are passed away like mine, you mm -hmm. go to their grave and you don't have to film it. I did because of what I'm doing. Um, but go to their grave and read it out loud and get those emotions out. Don't worry about what other people think. Right. You yell and scream and cry. And if you want to mm -hmm. throw things at that headstone, throw Do things it. at that headstone. That's right. you, you need to get all that out because mm -hmm. you won't heal with all that hatred and anger right. inside you. You can You're be right. angry at what's happened to you, but being angry, that angry at another person also affects you negatively. It does. Um, but I, I really don't ever tell people to mail it to their abuser because I'm always afraid that they've abused that person once. I don't know how they would react to mm -hmm. receiving the letter. Um, you know, if it's a situation mm -hmm. where they feel safe enough that the person won't come back at them, fine, go ahead. If you mm -hmm. feel safe enough confronting them face to face, I always yeah. say, just do it in a safe public place. Or if you're in therapy, mm -hmm. ask them to come to your therapist's office and have the therapist there with you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I think that it's something that all survivors should do, but mm -hmm. they need to do it at their comfort level and at their safety level. Right. And you know, the, the, the there are so many different ways to, to get this done. 
but everyone should have their own personal way of doing it. Everybody has a specific way that they like to get over certain things or there's, you know, it could be different for every single last one. And uh, I just, I hope that everybody at the sound of my voice that's going through anything would be safe because within that first 24 hours to two weeks of leaving an abuser, their life is on the line. That's the most dangerous time. It mm -hmm. really is. And um, you hear the horror stories all the time. Um, when I left, I was lucky that I had a place to go to that they were going to keep me safe. Mm -hmm. um, they would not let him near me. Uh, I know not everybody has that. Uh, right. But I will say that, that the shelters have gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, there are some great ones out there that will help you get back on your feet, get your own place, make sure you're safe the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that people are afraid to leave abusive situations because of money or because they have children. And I tell them, you know, looking at the way you're living right now, is that how you want your son or daughter to live when they grow up? Right, because they're learning this. They're going to mimic that it. They will absolutely, absolutely mm -hmm. just, yeah. and that's one of, that is one of my proudest things is that I broke that cycle right. uh, before I had my kids. Um, and they have grown up to be very independent mm -hmm. and um, very self-assured. And they actually have both gotten in trouble at school for standing up to bullies Wow! Um, because they they won't take it. They're like, mm -hmm. no, you are not going to be bullying my friends. You're not going to bully, you know, kids in the class. Mm -hmm. And both of my kids have had to have a talk with the principal because they've, you know, I mean, my daughter's now in college, but mm -hmm. when they were in, in like junior high, I think it was both of them were in junior high and they both got in trouble with the principal for standing up to bullies in yeah. maybe not that. the most appropriate ways, but I know I, I was know proud that. of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my kids, they were karate kids, mm -hmm. All, both my kids. I said, you know what? My children are, are going to learn to defend themselves. And at a very young age, I, I taught them what was appropriate touching and not, to you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And, and, I, and I told them exactly what my mother told me. You're not going to get in trouble. If someone touches you the wrong way, please let me know. You know, oh, yeah. And so, so things like that. But man, let me tell you, I am so happy that you were on the show today. There's so many different yeah. things that we could talk about. We just don't have the time. How can people reach you? Sure. So I have a website. It's emergingfromthedark.com. I'm on Twitter. Everything's emerging from the dark. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, but yeah, if they go to my website, I've got everything listed there on Wonderful. how they can contact me. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. the show. I appreciate oh it. I appreciate you. you being on the show. This is such a wonderful show, you know, and this is so needed because mm -hmm. so many people are in so much danger. And I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a police officer. I'm, I'm just a podcaster, guys. But if you're determined to leave the situation, get with um, someone that can help you leave safely. Just don't leave. Right. Um, you know, you have to leave strategically. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when, you know, when, um, I can't divulge this information too much, but I know that when a person I knew wanted to leave, they left when the person was at work mm -hmm. and they knew they would be gone at least eight hours and they had everything already ready to go. So, and they were helped. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they moved away and they changed their names because oh, it was yeah. really a bad situation yeah. and the children changed their names everything was changed and so uh, they're safe now that's good they're in a different uh state wow yeah they're in a different wow. state and they have been helped and they are on their own now for many many years but you, you have to leave safely. Don't just get up and go. A lot of times that's just not the answer. And I realize that, you know, I may be telling someone to stay in a situation that they don't like at this time, but definitely find a shelter. Always, always find someone that can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and emerging from the dark, I'm Absolutely. sure. She I can... have all kinds of places that they there can. You go. Yeah. There you go. Thank you again so much for being Thank on the you. show. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been an amazing show, very relevant and could save a life. And I hope it does. If you have a situation, please do not make a comment below. Do not comment below. Do not. Uh, If you know of a situation, just, you know, you can say, hey, I I agree with you. And that would be it. Okay. (laughs) All right. So definitely, I thank you so much for being a part of this wonderful show. And until next time, guys, don't forget, you know, to emerge from the dark. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. I'm